0: This is The Court Leader's Advantage, a podcast series for court professionals and by court professionals. Brought to you by thecourtleader.net and in cooperation with NACO, the National Association for Court Management. One unintended consequence of the COVID pandemic has been a phenomenon called the Great Resignation. Large numbers of American workers have either quit their jobs or After having been laid off, have decided not to return to their previous employer. CBS News has reported an estimated 20 million people left their jobs in only the second half of 2021. Why is this happening? A survey conducted by the Pew Research Center found that of those who left their jobs, almost two-thirds, 63%, cited low pay. Almost two-thirds also cited no opportunity for advancement. Well, over half, 57%, felt they were disrespected at work. Slightly less than half, 48%, cited childcare issues. An interesting side note only 18% cited their employees' vaccine mandate as a reason for leaving. Since we appear to be coming out of the COVID pandemic, is the great resignation on the wane? A survey conducted by resumebuilder.com estimates that almost a third of workers, 32%, plan to leave their current job this year. That number is particularly high in the information technology profession. I'm Pete Kiefer, and welcome to the Court Leaders Advantage podcast series. This month, we're going to explore the Great Resignation and its effects on courts and court employees. In this discussion, we are including not only courts that may have lost employees, but courts that are having trouble recruiting and courts that are suffering because their justice system partners are having trouble keeping fully staffed. Some of the questions we'll be exploring include, what has been the court's workforce experience during this great resignation? Do you see the situation getting better or worse in 2022? Are there things courts can do to entice more people to consider court administration as a career? And what advice do these panelists have for the rest of us? I'm joined today by my co-host, Alice Roberts, semi-retired Special Projects Manager for the Alaska State Court System. Don Palermo, Judicial Administrator for the Jefferson-Paris Juvenile Court in Harvey, Louisiana. And Eric Silverberg, Court Administrator for the Municipal Court in Tucson, Arizona. Thank you all for joining today's podcast. Alice will start off with the first question.
1: Eric, has your court experienced a higher than normal number of resignations over these last two years?
2: Actually, we have not. We have not experienced that. Uh, I think the composition of the people leaving varies a little bit. I think the most important thing that we need to look at in this issue, most important job of a court administrator is to make payroll. The second one is to make sure you hire the right person. So we have done a really much more intensive job of looking at who we hire. So our turnover of new staff, our staff are more successful. And then we've had the basic issue that you would have in a municipal court where you have a lot of entry level people. Those are the people who tend to turn over, but they're not turning over at any great rate. Some people have chosen to retire, but overall we're in a reasonable place.
1: Has there been any particular demographic leaving the court? Younger, older, men or women, college degree employees?
2: Well, we don't have a lot of college degree employees, but we certainly um, have the challenge of trying to find a way to take our entry level staff and have a place for them to go in their career ladder. So we have a career ladder issue and we're trying to, to resolve that, but otherwise it's normal turnover you, you might see.
1: So, can you expound on that a little bit? How you're trying to resolve the career ladder issue for those entry level folks?
2: Well, I'm doing some uh, taking some existing positions and converting them into some unmet needs in our court. I've only been here a couple of years, so we're sort of doing uh, some work there. And I'm working with the city, and we're a city department, of course, trying to work with them to struggle with, not struggle, but to find strategies to be able to prepare people to move forward. We're doing a lot in terms of there's tuition reimbursement, and we're doing to do a lot more in trying to give people different experiences, do a lot more moving people between departments. So we're, we're trying to build as best we can.
1: Nice, nice. Thank you. Don, what impact have you seen that the great resignation has had on the criminal justice system?
3: For us directly, the impacts are coming from the outside in the whole system. So there's been a huge increase in frustration. There's been an increase in just inability to get things done, calling for an ad hoc judge when a judge is sick, you may or may not get a return phone call. It may take a few days to get a response to an email. State payments have been so delayed that you're putting off paying things until you get the state reimbursement check, which was never two, three months out that you were losing it. So that's caused problems. The other thing is the huge one is the division of children and family services in Louisiana would be for your child abuse, child neglect cases, foster care, all of that. They have seen a 43% reduction in their staff. People are not applying for jobs. And as a result, the caseloads for the intake workers or the foster care workers or whatever are huge. So you're not getting the responses that you expected. It's made it really hard for them to check on systems, to follow through on cases, to even take in the cases. And then the state has seen a 52% application rate for all of their state jobs. That's Department of Education all the way through, every department you can think of. So something's going to need to happen, whether it be an increase in salaries, but with that, where does the money come from? So it's just this vicious cycle and we're not quite sure how we're gonna handle it. And my court, I got two applications for a judicial clerk job and They really didn't qualify or they were overqualified and they didn't understand what the job was. I'm not getting applications. I'm not getting people interested. So we're going to just postpone it and just make do with what we have. And then we'll catch up over the summer. Hopefully I'll say a little bit of money and maybe things will be better. The other thing that is real unique and the judges are being very, very um, patient about it is when you're trying to do your arraignments or um, your answers with jail, they're not going to transport the inmates anymore. That went out since COVID. So as a result, it used to be we could get a Zoom any day, no big deal. Now the judges are scheduling appointments with the jail. To have the inmate ready for that. That's strange. That's, you know, not something that was going on. But our sheriff's department, who also runs the jail, is so short staffed that every deputy has to work in the jail right now. So we're doing whatever we can to help people out. So those are kind of the things that are going on. I'm short sure of bailiff make and do because nobody's complying.
1: Thank you, Don. Do you see the challenge of getting people to work for the justice system as improving or getting worse in 2022 and beyond? Don?
3: I think it's going to get worse for a little while, and then we're going to catch up some kind of way. In the past, the um, competition with the private sector has never been in the salary end, but we were able to say that our benefits were really good and our pension plan and different things. We can't say that right now. Unfortunately, everything's gone up and all of the expenses for the employees have gone up. There probably will be some cost of living increases coming, but with that comes another cost. How do you pay for it? How are you going to handle this? So I could see um, staff reductions before we, we actually expand and, and move on. And it's gonna depend on the population and things like that. Our population has changed in Louisiana a little, and we haven't gone through all the redistricting yet. That's all this summer. So we'll see what that leads to. And if you even have the salary base for your millage increases to even give the employees the pay increases that you do need. Thank you, Don. Eric?
2: Well, I I don't know if it's gonna get worse. I know that I'm, well, I'm, we have we have a lot fewer applicants than we used to have for our positions so i every time i do a recruitment i i don't fill them all um, it doesn't seem to have gotten worse over the last several months so i'm cautiously optimistic that it will get a, it won't get any worse it may not get better but i don't think it's going to get worse and i i think we'll we'll be okay
0: don you said the demographics of louisiana are changing In what ways?
3: More minority, immigrant workers. It's changing to where our congressional seats have to change. Our state legislature is going to change. All of that. So, And they're moving out of different places. We had a major hurricane in September. So a lot of people are not back in their original homes. They're living in other areas of Louisiana. So the counts off, things like that. And there's been a bunch of people who have said, I've had enough. I don't wanna deal with losing my house and all of my possessions, so that's some. And then the other thing is in the city of New Orleans, they are having a really big problem with crime right now and lots of carjackings and people are scared. So for my parish, which is the suburbs of New Orleans, they're moving in because we have the rental property that's available at the time. Mm -hmm. So they're moving from parish to parish.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you think that technology can assist as a solution in this crisis? And if so, in what ways? Dawn?
3: I think it helps that we can have meetings. We're still having a lot of meetings and a lot of trainings online, which is beneficial because you're not paying the travel costs that you once were. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's also allowing some of these little bitty regions of the state to receive all the training that, that somebody in a large metropolitan region does. Unfortunately, court case-wise, my population doesn't have the tools that they need. Mm -hmm. And I've got a lot of kids now who have been out of school for a few years and they're struggling, they're really struggling. So the education system's talking about how are we gonna play catch up to help these children? And they, the schools don't even know that they're missing sometimes because they've been gone for so long. So the truancy, everything, you know, everything's kicking into high year to provide what we can. And then the other thing that was unknown when COVID and we had the lockdowns, we did not get many in standards for children who were abused and neglected because the mandatory reporters were not seeing the kids. And now there's a huge uptick.
2: Eric, it it is a partial solution. I could sort of echo you know what Don said. I think it's a it's helpful certainly for some hearings, and certainly it's also helpful for training. And we've used it a great deal with litigants. We've we've done a lot of very interesting hearing types, but I still think that we have an issue. Um, you know, Tucson is you know despite what you might think a fairly poor city so many of the people that come to your municipal court uh, have a digital divide problem so they can't always participate that way so it's a mixed bag you, you get some benefit from it.
1: Peter, I wonder if for in terms of staff retention if technology will help for some positions. We have a number of positions in the Alaska court system that previously were on-site positions but now the staff are working remotely and at a time when gas prices are through the roof, you can imagine that work, the ability to work remotely is incredibly enticing. Eric, many companies are now offering benefits such as flux scheduling, job sharing, paid tuition, and fitness center memberships as ways to entice folks to work for them. What do you think job applicants are looking for today? And are there things courts can do to attract more people to apply?
2: That's a, that's a complicated question. We do offer flex schedules, you know, with as long as the manager can make it work. The city does generally give us $5,250 in tuition reimbursement each year. And I've basically supplemented out of my own budget, sending a lot of people to training. Uh, We're gonna be increasing our training component next year internally. And I think a lot of the people we have are looking for growth and, and I see some positives there. It used to be we were like a net training ground for the rest of the city. People would get in there and they'd move over. Now we're starting to see some people in the city come to us. And so I regard that as a, as a very healthy kind of a dynamic. So I'm, I'm actually fairly optimistic that if we work at it, we, we can get through this.
1: Well, that, it sounds like you're doing a great job. I love that you're supplementing your educational program some courts in rural alaska compete with native corporations and borough employers that offer employees much greater flexibility than the court for example some employers allow employees to take time off for subsistence fishing and hunting volunteer work and foster parent leave how can the justice system which must remain open to the public and adhere to set schedules compete with such employers Eric?
2: I know in other courts we have had options of giving administrative leave and and we have given administrative leave for people to do things and I think in the future we're going to have to look at that a lot harder than we have. I mean typically it's been for sort of medical or family care above and beyond what federal law requires but I think we're going to need to be much more flexible going forward. And I think since I have a relatively large workforce, I do have some level of flexibility, assuming I can hire some people to be able to do this.
1: Great, thank you. Don.
3: We have tried to be as flexible as possible. We are fortunate still in our sick and annual leave policies are very good we've changed the sick leave policies to allow you to care for a family member to care for a child and use that because you tend to just store up your sick leave and unless you're going to retire there really you can do nothing with it now we've also gone to some flex schedules in certain areas but that's not Uh, available to everyone. Unfortunately, we've tried to flex the schedule and the court dockets don't really work out flexing those because there's so many system partners that you're relying on and, you know, you've got to worry about the sheriff's office and the state workers and the DA's office and the public defenders. So, so many people to coordinate and what we were having trouble with is getting everybody on the same page. We never could find great days. So what we've done instead is certain days for certain cases and stay strict to that mm-hmm. so that the state workers can be somewhere else on other days and try to be helpful. And we do allow like our families and new services program. So working with the status offenders, truancy, things like that, we allow them to work later every day, which is actually more beneficial to students not skipping school to come to court and um, they can take off on a Friday or whatever.
0: What advice do you have for those tuning in to today's episode? Dawn?
3: Although the last few years have been challenging, I want to recommend to everyone the use of NACUM and all of their resources whether it be on a committee just jump on and see what it's like or reaching out to a colleague. Sometimes you just need to vent. Somebody might have a great idea. Sometimes there might not be a solution to your problem. It's just being heard and understood but there are some incredible things online that's worth it and some guides and publications and the court manager and the court express. I think in these podcasts are a classic example. national center for state courts that's another one there's somebody out there dealing with what you're
0: dealing
2: with eric oh i would like to echo what dawn said i I think she's absolutely right there's such a tendency when there's crisis all around to hunker in the bunker and uh we're, none of us are exactly inventing things. There are so many great things out there that people are doing. And something else that we did that I think people ought to take a look at. You know, in the core tools, you know, they have the standard employee satisfaction survey. You know, we've did, done a listening tour and we started to institutionalize doing that survey. And I think you find things about employee engagement that people are concerned about that you can actually make a difference with. And we're hoping that that's gonna positively affect retention as well, and and it's not hard to do.
0: I wanna thank Don Palermo and Eric Silverberg for sharing their experiences and thoughts on workforce recruitment and selection during the great resignation and the COVID pandemic. I also wanna thank my exceptional co-host, Alice Roberts, for her insightful questions. This pressing topic is definitely top of mind for many court professionals around the country. And at this point, we may still end up with more questions than answers. Might this actually be, as some have thought, the great transition? Is it the baby boomers who are leaving the workplace, freeing up opportunities for millennials and Generation Z? With the unemployment rate at an extraordinarily low 3.6% and businesses desperate for workers, Will this affect complaints that those crossing our southern borders are stealing American jobs? And will this be in fact, the great regret boomerang? A recent Harris poll reported that 20% of those who have gotten new jobs have discovered that their new workplace is in fact no better than the one they left. Only time will provide an answer to many of these questions. And be sure to take our survey. The link is on the website. The question is, has your court experienced an increase in employees leaving, a decline in folks applying for open jobs, other justice system partners that are struggling to stay fully staffed, or have you not seen any effect at all? Mark all responses that apply and we will post the results on the webpage. As always, my thanks to you court professionals tuning in to today's episode. Through all the challenges brought on by being short staffed during COVID, you continue to keep the courts running you continue to keep the promise of access to justice. Thank you for all you do. Join us in May for another episode dealing with the issues facing our courts. This has been the Court Leaders Advantage podcast series. I'm Pete Kiefer, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks for joining us today. The Court Leader's Advantage is a regular podcast on courts and court administration. Today's episode will be available on our website, on YouTube, on Facebook, on iTunes, on LinkedIn, and on Twitter. Become part of the conversation. If you have questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, email us. Our address is podcast that's all one word, at nakemnet.org. Did you hear an interesting comment by one of the panelists that you would like to listen to again, but you don't want to search through the entire episode to find it? The additional resources section of the webpage contains a question time marker sheet. Just find the discussion question on the sheet, and next to it is the time that question was asked. You can then quickly fast forward to that time in the episode and listen to the panelists' comments. Remember, if you don't have time to watch an episode, you can always listen to the audio version listen in your car, or on the bus on your way to or from work. You never have to miss an episode. I'm Pete Kiefer, and on behalf of our guests, the Court Leader website, and the National Association for Court Management, thank you, and have a great day. The views, information, and opinions expressed during this episode are solely those of the host and the individual presenters. They do not necessarily represent the position of the National Association for Court Management.